good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well. Okay, so I went to Virginia this this week, and I visited with my family for Father's Day. Not on Father's Day. I went Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Mostly we were traveling down. I was getting the last few things out of my parents' house that they lived in the whole time I was growing up. And they are moving closer to family further east into Virginia. I have got a couple of thoughts from that trip. Uh, The first thing, the Virginia Department of Transportation has redone the intersection off of Interstate 81. Now, it does not affect me when I'm generally going to visit because I'm coming in from the north. But when we were coming back from my parents' old house, I'm coming from the south. And instead of just getting off of the exit for Route 220, now you have to go past it, take the next exit, go through a roundabout, come back, and then you're turning left onto 220. Now, normally that would not be such a huge deal. Uh, I don't like that they put in roundabouts, not because I don't know what to do, but because apparently I am one of the few people in this country that does know what to do at a roundabout. But the roundabout actually isn't the issue. The issue that I have is that when you come off of that exit, you just automatically get into the right-hand lane because you're going to turn right out of the out of the roundabout in order to go back to 220. Now, if you live in that area and you take that exit, it wouldn't be a huge issue because you would know what to do. The problem is, is when you get into the right-hand lane, you cannot turn left onto Route 220. It forces you to go in the opposite direction. The lanes are divided there. There's a curb in between where you need to go and where you are. And if you don't know that going in ahead of time, you're going to have to go a pretty far way out of your way. And then, yeah, motorcycle just went past. And then backtrack to get to where you wanted to go. Now, like I say, if you lived there and you knew that, that's not a problem. But why did they design that intersection in such a counterintuitive way? Because basically what it is, is you want to turn right to go back to 220, but you have to be in the left-hand lane. And when people don't know that going into it, you're going to have a lot of people that are going to get lost. You're going to have people trying to correct at the last second. That's going to cause accidents. And it's definitely going to waste a lot of people's time. It wasted some of mine on Wednesday evening. And I would love to sit down with the engineer that designed that and spend about 20 minutes telling him what an idiot he is because he really way overthought that. I'm sure he thinks he's clever. He thinks he solved a problem. All he did was he created a bunch of problems for a bunch of different people. Um, Again, if you live there and you know that he screwed that intersection up that badly, It's not going to affect you too greatly, but you're getting off the interstate. Probably 50% of the people that are taking that exit are never going to be in that area again. It's just going to have a bunch of people lost. It's going to have a bunch of fender benders. This guy thought that he was being clever. All he did was create a bunch of problems. All right, I'll shut up about the intersection coming off the interstate there. Uh, But there was one other thing that I noticed as me and my son were leaving on Thursday and driving back to Pennsylvania. I got behind a gentleman that was driving about a 2016-2017 model Toyota Camry. Now, this gentleman had went to the time and the expense of putting vanity plates onto his Toyota Camry. 
And like I say, I don't know how much extra it is for vanity plates in the state of Virginia. I never had them, but it is an extra charge. Uh, You have to submit the form. It's got to be examined by somebody at the Virginia DOT to make sure that it's not similar to somebody else's. And I'm sure they check to make sure nobody's trying to slip a sex joke or profanity in there. But you have to wait for the plates to be approved. Then they have to be made, and then they're sent to you. It probably takes a month, month and a half to get your vanity plates in. But this gentleman went to all that extra time, all that extra trouble, and paid the extra fee for vanity plates for his Toyota Camry. And would you like to know what the plates said? Are you ready? It said Camry. Now, this is this individual's car. It's his time. It's his money. He absolutely has the right to put whatever he would like on his vanity plates. But that's the best you can come up with. That is the most original thing that you can think of. The You spent all that extra money and took all that extra time, and you basically just put a second badge on your car. I mean, the car already says Camry on it, about a foot and a half from where you put that license plate. That just struck me as so odd that this individual would put Camry on the license plates for his Camry. Now, the only thing I can think of is possibly, you know, when you get your renewal for your registration, it has the tag number. Maybe he has several cars that are different makes, and he puts that on all the license plate. Like if he has a Toyota Tacoma and then a Chevy Impala is a couple other cars, and he puts Tacoma and Impala on so that he can instantly see which car he's renewing for when he gets the paperwork. If that's the case, that is a little bit genius. I doubt that that's what was going on. I think this guy just really was proud of his Camry, and he wanted that on his vanity plates. Uh, One other thought about vanity plates, and this is absolutely true, and if you'll pay attention, and I'm sure that after you hear this, you probably will pay attention, Anytime you're driving down the road and you see a car that has vanity plates that is a woman's name, say cars coming towards you and the vanity plate says Kelly or Brenda or Sheila or whatever, if the vanity plates have a female's name on them, it is a man driving that vehicle. Don't take my word for it. Start paying attention. You will, And it's not... It's not 8 out of 10 vehicles that I see like this. It's 99 cars out of 100 that if the vanity plate has got a female's name on it, it is a man driving that car. I've thought about this for years. I don't have a good explanation of how that could possibly be. It seems like even if even if they're on a trip and the man's driving, it seems like every once in a while that, you know, if that's Karen's car, you would see Karen driving back and forth to work, driving back and forth to the grocery store, you would see the women driving that vehicle at some point, but trust me, and like I say, keep an eye out. You will notice it too. It's always a dude driving that car. All right, and that's all I've got from my uh, the thoughts from my trip this week. A little bit different show today. I don't have any big overarching topic. I've just got a couple of little things that I has been rattling around in my head that I wanted to hit on, and I've got two more things that I want to talk to you about today. Uh, The first one is, and I'm a little bit behind the times on this because I think she announced her candidacy about two months ago, Uh, but Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor of California. Uh, If you're 
not aware California is going to recall Governor Gavin Newsom because of the way he has handled the economy and the lockdowns in California. California was one of the strictest lockdowns in the state, and they hung on to that crap for a long time. Past when other states were letting businesses open up, letting people get out and move around. And if you ever need proof that the only thing politicians are worried about is losing their job, look at what Gavin Newsom has done for the last year. He was all for keeping schools locked down, keeping businesses locked down. He was wanting to tell the constituents of his state what they could do, where they could go. And California was draconian. There is a restaurant called Ten Horn Flats in Burbank. Uh, take a few moments and read about how Burbank has treated this little bar and grill. It's You think brown shirts or stormtroopers during the heyday of the Nazis. I mean, that's the way that they went after this this small business because he refused to shut down. And he was not serving people inside his establishment. He was doing outdoor dining. Uh, when L.A. County had put a hold on that order, they had initially said that outdoor dining was okay, but then they shut that down about a month later. Ten Horn Flats refused to comply, and they rolled up there with a SWAT team. Uh, they have arrested the owner's son twice for trying to open the building. They chained the front doors shut. Uh, the owner then just completely removed the doors so they couldn't come back and chain them shut. And so now the city of Burbank is building a concrete barrier in front of this building. Now, I don't know about you. I feel like Burbank probably has bigger issues that they don't have to spend all this time and money and manpower going after this one little place because somebody might buy a hamburger in the parking lot. But that's just how California has went about things for the last year. And Governor Newsom was totally fine with every bit of this. Now, if you'll remember, Newsom was also caught having a very large party inside a very fancy French restaurant called the French Laundry. Uh, Governor Newsom's children go to private schools that did not shut down. His children did not miss a single day of school. But, of course, he has got a lot of rules that everybody else in California is supposed to abide by. And he was perfectly happy being the second coming of Mussolini in charge of California until they got enough signatures to initiate a recall election. Suddenly, he feels like schools should be reopened. Of course, it's summer now. I'm not sure what the point of that is. He's pushing to reopen businesses, get the economy rolling. All of a sudden, it's uh, the summer of love in California, and Governor Newsom is leading the charge back out into the streets. I would be ashamed to do that. I swear that it would drive me insane to pull a 180 just a complete sea change in my approach to things, and it is so transparently just because he's afraid he's going to get voted out of office. Suddenly, he's listening to his constituents. He's trying to make decent decisions. He's not telling people, you know, I don't care if you're losing your business and your house and you don't have any money. You're going to stay at home until I tell you that you can leave your home again. And now all of a sudden it's, hey, we got to get this thing going. We're coming back. You know, California is going to be as great as ever. 100% phony. He does not mean anything that he's saying right now. It's just he's trying any way he can to save his position. And that's all these people care about is their power and their 
seat at the table. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. They don't care about how much of our tax dollars they waste. They don't care that people have been losing businesses and losing their savings and losing their homes for a year and a half. He did not give a shit about that. But all of a sudden, there's a recall election, and he is just Johnny on the spot. We're going to take care of this right now. Um, I don't believe for a second that the people of California are intelligent enough to recognize that because they keep voting for these idiots to begin with. Uh, the leftist policies that California has instituted has made it impossible for people to live in the state of California, and they're moving out. And the reason I say that the people aren't smart enough to recognize what Gavin Newsom is doing right now is because these people all leave California because of the policies that made it impossible for them to live in California. And when they land somewhere else in Texas or Florida or wherever it is they move to, they immediately start voting for people that are proposing the exact same type of policy that forced them to move out of California in the first place. Now, if I had voted for a bunch of people that resulted in me having to pack up everything I own and move 3,000 miles across the country, I would understand that, hey, I did something stupid voting for those people. I'm not doing it again. But that's not how it works. People, they, they get forced out of California because they can't afford to live there. They can't do any of the stuff that they're trying to do. If you're trying to build a home or renovate a home in California, it takes forever if you're trying to open a business, it takes forever. Uh, I heard a story about uh, Joel McHale, the host of The Soup, and he's been in a lot of TV shows and movies. He was going to put a pool in his backyard at his house. Uh, after four years of trying to get that pool permitted and put in, he finally just gave up. Uh, he said it was just soil testing and environmental studies, and it was just a building inspectors, and it was just this never-ending line of hoops that you have to jump through, and you've got to cut a check for every time you jump through a hoop to a different department in the city or the state. And after wasting four years of his life and God knows how much money, he just finally, you know, said to hell with it. I'm not going to worry about putting in a pool. But that's how California has run things. The people that live there don't like it, but they keep voting for it. So I don't feel very sorry for these people. Uh, but anyway, back to Caitlyn Jenner's run. Um, now, I don't have strong feelings one way or the other about Caitlyn Jenner. I was a little too young to have been aware of Bruce Jenner when he was the Olympic hero. I don't watch reality TV, so I've never watched an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Uh, the About the only thing I know about his personal life is he used to be into racing. And, of course, a few years ago, he was involved in that accident that resulted in a woman's death. But other than those little minor details, I'm just really not familiar with Bruce Jenner. And, you know, I really didn't care one way or the other when he came out as transgender and became Caitlyn a few, Caitlin a few years ago. But here's something odd that I've noticed. Caitlyn Jenner was a hero to the transgender community and the LBGTQ plus plus star, whatever the hell the, the thing is now, they just keep adding stuff to it. Uh, but he was, I mean, he was just venerated by the trans community and the homosexual community. And when you get put in these little groups 
most of the time, that means that you are absolutely hands-off. You cannot criticize anything they do. You can't criticize anything they say. But then Caitlyn Jenner made a mistake. First of all, she supported Donald Trump, and now she is entering the race in the recall election as a Republican gubernatorial candidate. And this is when you see something very interesting from the progressive left, because the progressive left pretends to be the champion of any quote-unquote oppressed group. Um, If you're a minority, uh, sexual orientation is a little different. Um, Any of these things, they are your best friend. They've got your back. They support you 100%. They will fight for you. They will attack people on the media. They will get in shouting matches on the street. They are there to fight for you 100% of the way, except if you step out of line versus their little ideology. Because as soon as Caitlyn Jenner became very vocal about her conservative views, suddenly the LBGTQ community was not a big fan of hers. The progressive left suddenly was not a big fan of hers. And you start seeing headlines in the news that say things like, uh, trans people are dreading Caitlyn Jenner's run for governor. Why? You know, there's they were putting her on magazines and touting her as the bravest hero our country's seen in the last 50 years 10 minutes ago. And then you'll see headlines like, Caitlyn Jenner's run for California governor is about celebrity, not transgender equality. So she's not supposed to run? I mean, equality means that she has the same rights and opportunities as everybody else, right? So if she wants to run for governor, she should be allowed to run for governor. That's equality. And then there's one last one here I found, and believe me, there are plenty others. Uh, A 10-minute search will pull them all up. There are plenty of reasons Caitlyn Jenner should not be California's next governor. They have turned on her. I mean, it's like a pack of hyenas and they find an injured animal. I mean, they just pounced on because she dared to step off of the plantation. The progressive left uses these groups. I know I'm not the only one to be saying stuff like this, but it is absolutely the truth. Minorities, they expect them to vote the way they want them to vote. And when they do not, first of all, they're flabbergasted, and then they start attacking them. The two Trump elections, you know, Florida, the Latino population in Florida voted very heavily Republican, much more so than what the Democrats were expecting, and everybody couldn't understand it. Well, you know, a lot of the Latinos in Florida are from Cuba. They fled a communist regime that was oppressing them. They're not going to vote for more of that. Uh, Condoleezza Rice. I mean, Condoleezza Rice should be the poster child for women's groups and minority groups. And you've got this woman that made it very, very high up in the federal government. Uh, She is an absolutely brilliant thinker, an incredibly talented pianist. I mean, she should, like I say, she should be the cover child, the poster child for all these groups. They tore her to shreds for the entirety of George Bush's presidency, and it's simply because she stepped off the plantation. She wasn't doing what she is supposed to do, according to the progressive left, and they tore her to pieces day after day after day. And I don't know why these minority groups and these women groups don't recognize this, because basically 
and this is something that they're very blatant about, but basically what the progressive left says is we will support you and we will defend you as long as you do and act and say exactly the way we think that you should. And like I discussed in my last episode, that is fascism. All right, I've got one more topic I want to hit real quick, and it actually kind of dovetails not directly into what I was just talking about, but kind of, sort of. Earlier, well, actually, at the end of last week, I was uh, talking with a friend, and and they mentioned that, you know, I, I claim to be in the middle all the time, but all I ever do is complain about the left. Well, I'm going to explain to you why I don't complain about the Republicans very often, and I'm going to complain about the Republicans. So everybody buckle up, and here we go. The reason that I don't complain about Republicans very often is because the Republicans don't do anything for me to complain about. I'm not saying that they don't do anything wrong. I'm saying that they don't do anything. Full stop, end of sentence. The Republicans get into office and they don't do anything. They seem to take the attitude that holding an office means that you get into that office and then you keep your head down and you try to blend into the paneling. They don't try to do any of the things that they said they were going to do while they were running. Uh, They claim to be for personal responsibility, small government, all these great ideas, and then they get into office and they don't institute any policies that will reduce the size of government. They don't institute any policies that will shift some of the power back to the people of this country. They don't do anything. The Republicans, if you took all of the Republican senators and all of the Republican representatives and put them into a room There would not be enough spine in that room collectively to do a transplant on a chipmunk. And there is not enough leadership between all of them to run a small Cub Scout troop. That's why I don't complain about the Republicans very often is because it's like they're hiding in the bushes. There's not really any other than the fact that they're not doing anything. There's not a lot to complain about because they're all too big of a bunch of pussies to get off their butts and do what they promised the American people they were going to do. Um, I've probably said this on this show, but I do not vote for Democrats because I'm afraid that they will do the things that they said they will do. And I vote Republican because I am hoping against hope that they might do what they said they were going to do. Um, I'm usually disappointed. Actually, I'm always disappointed. Uh, In fact, I don't think I have ever voted for a candidate. I have never pulled the lever for somebody because I thought that they would do a fantastic job. I pull the lever for one candidate or the other because I do not want their opponent in the office. I wonder what it would be like to go into a voting booth and not have to pick the lesser of two evils. Wouldn't that be something nice to aspire to in this country? Candidates that give you a sense of confidence that they're going to do their job and do it well. What a world that would be. All right, guys, that is about all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, If you did, please leave me a like and subscribe. Uh, If you'd like to leave me a comment, you can do so on the Facebook page, the Fresh Frozen Southerner page. Or you can send me an email at freshfrozensoutherner at gmail.com. 
All right, guys, get out there and enjoy your weekend. I will talk to you on Monday. And once again, thank you for sitting with me. Have a good one.